0: Nail your medical school or residency program interview. Attend AMSA's 2017 Annual Convention February 23rd through the 26th and meet one-on-one with program advisors who will help refine and strengthen your interview skills. Visit
1: amsaconvention.org to register now. Have you given thought to how your life experiences outside medicine will improve your skills as a physician? Welcome to the AMSA AdLib Podcast, where you'll hear from med students and experts alike. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. Coming from a family of physicians, Vidya Viswanathan felt like she needed to cut her own path, one leading in a totally different direction. She's a med student now, but her journey took her far afield from healthcare. Here's her story of how she found her way back, and how she served by everything she learned along the way.
0: So as a stubborn child, I told my two physician parents that I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew that I would never be a doctor. And I actually found science fascinating growing up, but the path to medicine with one requirement after another didn't seem to leave a lot of room for something I really valued as someone who loved to write, creativity. And I also thought, you know, to have the power to impact someone else's health, that was really heavy. That was too heavy for a child to comprehend. So I kind of, from the start, banished the idea of medicine. And I went to college, I majored in social studies, and I focused on Chinese history and language. So after I graduated college, I ended up moving to Taiwan, where I taught English for a year in an elementary school. And while I was there, um, one day, while I was eating my lunch and drinking my daily bubble tea, Mm -hmm. a colleague approached me and she had a printout in her hand from her doctor, who had diagnosed her with breast cancer. And she knew that there were two treatment options for her cancer, but they were inexplicably listed in English, and she had been rushed out of the office before she could even process the information and ask more questions. So she had this printout, and she wanted me to help her translate the English. And I was really humbled that she would trust me with something so personal, but I was totally stumped by all this medical jargon. So I did what any good patient, good physician does these days, I started Googling. (laughs) And as I Googled things and I uh, started cobbling together all this information from all these medical websites and using the online translator, I found it really hard to translate what I was reading and even in my broken Chinese, because I felt like by saying it, I was actually making it true. And I don't know if you've had the experience of trying to talk about medicine or explain medical things in a language that you're still learning. But something about having limited vocabulary actually makes what you're saying come out more blunt and more real, because you can't use the euphemisms we always use to depersonalize what we do, some of the really disturbing things we have to do. I had that experience this year, actually, as a first-year med student, when I was taking anatomy, and I also was meeting once a week to practice my Mandarin with a Chinese tutor. And she'd ask me every week, you know, what do you do in class? And so once we started anatomy lab and I was in anatomy lab for a big chunk of the day, she'd say, what, you, what did you do in class in Chinese? And I didn't know how to say dissect in Chinese. I didn't know how to say cadaver. So I had to respond like, oh, um, today we cut into a dead human's face. And she would look like horrified, and I also would be really upset, and I'm like, I can't believe that's what I did today. Um, so, in this moment back in Taiwan with my colleague, when I was tra- trying to translate to her, and we were kind of meeting each other halfway between Chinese and English, I think we both started to realize, like, this was this was not a temporary thing that was going to go away, like, this was a real problem. and. We began to get emotional, and I was really unprepared for her next question, which was, what do you think I should do? So how does a 22-year-old answer that question? How does someone with no training, no knowledge, answer that question, no matter how much comfort you want to provide, no matter how much you want to help? And I started thinking, you know, what if I did have that training? It's still a possibility. So... After a lot of soul searching and thinking and research, I ended up going back to the US and getting my post back. And while in the postback program, I realized from a lot of people of all ages and all former careers that actually fearing medicine, like recognizing the gravity of what it meant to impact someone's health was actually a good thing and i also realized that medicine has so many problems once you are even a patient in medicine a frequent patient you realize there's so many problems that need to be solved and actually what medicine needs is creativity and while i was applying to med school even as a post a lot of advisors still told me the old philosophy of oh you know don't let them see your creative side like it's going to make them think you're not serious about medicine, or they told me you're not going to have time to keep up your writing and all those things you love anyway. But I found solace in the fact that actually there are a lot of influential doctors and med students who are really creative and are using their creativity outside of medicine to change medicine from the inside. So I decided to you know, keep calling myself a writer even as I applied to med school. And once I got into med school, I decided I was gonna build a community of those people who also defied that pressure to downplay their creativity. And so I started a website called Doctors Who Create where I profile creative physicians and try to inspire future pre-meds and future doctors to keep their creativity alive as they continue medicine. Because one of the things i found as a first year med student is it's not my pre-med classes that are telling me how to go into a room and interview a standardized patient or a real patient. It's my writing skills and my journalism background. And it's not my pre-med classes that are helping me memorize every detail, every anatomical term that we have to learn. It's learning a new language that doesn't make sense, but that you have to chip away at slowly and slowly until you get it. And so I finally realized that medicine, I thought medicine was the thing that excluded me from doing the things I love, like writing and teaching and language learning. But in the end, it's actually the only thing I can see that combines all of them. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Vidya's story is uniquely her own. The complicated, even conflicting career directions are a common thread for medical students. If you have a unique experience your fellow students might find thought-provoking or even just amusing, Would you consider sharing it with us at the Story Slam at AMSA's 2017 convention, beginning on February 23rd? You can sign up or learn more at amsaconvention.org slash storieslam. AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself. Special thanks to Perry Tsai for arranging the Story Slam. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer and Dr. Kelly Tibbert is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. Experiment, explore, and engage with other
0: physicians in training while honing the knowledge and skills that are essential for providing the best care for your future patients. Join us for the upcoming AMSA convention this February 23rd through the 26th in Washington, D.C. Visit amsaconvention.org to register now.